Great White Serial Killer. Shark of Darkness, Wrath of Submarine. Sharklock Holmes, a stunning Finn investigation. One of those is not a real show that aired on Discovery Channel's Shark Week. I'll let you guess which one it is. Shark Week is big. Well, let me rephrase that. Shark Week is huge, with millions of viewers tuning in every year to see what shark-themed programming Discovery has in store for them. Monster Under the Bridge, Jaws Awakens, Shark plus Scary Adjective plus Random Word. What started as a summertime stunt in 1988 has morphed into a giant cash cow for Discovery and has given sharks and the people who study them the spotlight. Sounds great, right? People make a lot of money, folks learn about a very misunderstood fish, and scientists get to show off their research. You know what? I guess we can just end this podcast right here. It is just one of the most infuriating things that I've, I've ever come across. Why is this the same person over and over again? Where are the women? Where are the people of color? Spend a whole week painting them as scary and monstrous and bloodthirsty. It's not all bad, but... Holy cow, when it's bad, it's bad. If you read this episode's title, you know there is much more under the surface when it comes to Shark Week, and a lot of problems that should be addressed, according to actual shark scientists. In fact, one group of shark scientists just completed a study where they watched hours of programming from Shark Week, and have a lot to say about how it portrays sharks, the misinformation presented, and a stunning lack of diversity in who gets to be on these shows. Remember Lisa Whitenack? She's the Associate Professor of Biology and Geology at Allegheny College that I talked to on the first episode of Shark Tales this season. We were talking about the Megalodon, and while she was telling me how much scientists hated the Shark Week mockumentary... Megalodon, the monster shark lives. She also told me that many shark scientists are not fans of Shark Week in general. I mean, there's been years of criticism, right? Um, At least in the American Elastoprank Society, you know, which is um, the professional society that shark scientists and aquarists belong to. Whitenack, who teaches a class at Allegheny College called Sharks and Recreation about sharks and pop culture, says that she believes there is a lot wrong with the programming on Shark Week. So she got some other scientists and their undergrads together to prove it by watching pretty much all the shows for science. So between all of us, we watched 201 episodes. There is a lot to unpack between the study and what the Discovery Channel people told us in response. But before we get to that, let me introduce you to another scientist from the study who has spent over a decade launching criticism at Shark Week. Dr. David Schiffman, I am a marine conservation biologist who studies sharks and how to protect them. And from the data they found in their study, there is a lot to critique. And we're going to get to the gripes right about now. First, let's talk about who is shown on Shark Week. From the hosts to the scientists, they found a disturbing trend when it comes to the most featured faces. Of the people who have appeared in more than five Shark Week shows, there are more people who are not scientists whose first name is Mike than there are women. No one self-identified as trans. So we're just looking at these binary pronouns, 78.4% male for these experts, including those nine most featured people were all male. The experts used in their programming are overwhelmingly white, 93.1%. Women or people of color are either in the background or not seen at all. Uh, They don't get screen time. 
or you might see them moving around in the background or they're uh, they're just not taken seriously. And to some extent, uh, that's just a misunderstanding of how science works. At a certain point, it's not accidental anymore. It's not like there aren't any non-white men for researchers for Shark Week to work with, including many who are quite media savvy and do camera-friendly research. As, as I know of, of many cases when there was a, a, a woman graduate student who was really leading the project and Shark Week said, we want to do a special on this show. And they end up putting their white male supervisor who might have very little to do with the project on screen because, and this is a thing we've heard Discovery producers say, the public doesn't think of women as scientists. And like, why the hell do you think that is? Do you think you have no role in this? Another scientist who participated in the study has been very outspoken about sexism in the field of shark science. And it can be as subtle as a word or two on one of these shows. Um, my full name is Catherine McDonald, and I'm a lecturer at the University of Miami's Rosenstiel School of Marine and Atmospheric Science and the director of field school. I know that there have been some examples of uh, programs presenting women who have PhDs uh, and, you know, calling them by their first names uh, while referring to men without PhDs as doctor. So white men dominate the camera during Shark Week. But why is that? Are there no women or people of color in shark science? Yeah, no. As the new organization Minorities and Shark Scientists has shown, there are literally hundreds of women of color who are interested in this field and are pursuing it in various uh, levels. And my professional society, the American Rank Society, our membership is more than half women. I mean, you would have no idea about that from watching Shark Week, which is the, the biggest stage in marine biology. And outside of the study, Jasmine Graham, who we talked to last year about diversity in shark science, knows for a fact that there is a giant pool of scientific talent to choose from. They just aren't getting the calls. My name is Jasmine Graham, and I am the president and CEO of Minorities in Shark Sciences. Representation is super important. And whenever I talk to producers or, or people that work in the media industry, their, their excuse is always, oh, well, we have a limited time to find people, and it's really hard to find these people and these are the ones that are easy to get in contact with and all of that. And I have two points to say to that. One, well now Miss exists. So there are 315 women of color all in one organization that you can reach with the push of a button. So there goes that excuse. Two, whatever you say, oh, they're just really hard to find. There's a reason for that. And that reason is tied to this <laughs> like they're hard to find because their voices are suppressed no one writes articles about them people don't give them credit where credit is due all of these reasons are why women and people of color are hard to find shark week goes around the world but the people on camera when they film are again mostly white men according to the study which is a missed opportunity the most Featured locations in Shark Week history include the Bahamas, South Africa, and Mexico. There's like two Mexican shark scientists who are featured. There's one Bohemian shark scientist who is featured, and her first role was last year. Shark Week shows often they fly people who don't know anything about anything halfway around the world because they're a known face. We call it parachute science. You kind of like parachute in, and I know what I'm doing, and 
Like, okay, but you just got here. Like, calm down. You don't know what's happening here. Because a lot of times they're like, oh, we're going to this remote island, blah, blah, blah. And I know where you're at. There are people there. Like, there are people that live there and have lived there for a long time. And you just completely ignored their existence. So, like, they probably have a lot of thoughts on sharks. And these episodes only showing men getting in the action gives a bro vibe that really doesn't reflect reality, according to the researchers. Makes people internalize that, oh, this is this is for men because sharks are this like animal that's super strong and aggressive. So I think that there's only men because men are the only people that can handle a shark. And that that creates a whole other dynamic where now we're attributing strength and ability to gender which is not a fair comparison and i am a woman and i work up sharks all the time and i know people that weigh a hundred pounds wet that can work up a shark uh it is all about knowing how to handle a shark it's actually brute strength is not super effective a lot of times because you're not going to out brute strength of shark you gotta you gotta know what you're doing Besides race and gender, there is another troubling trend the scientists saw in Shark Week shows over the decades. People who are not qualified. But when you're left with the people that are presented as authoritative, um, 22% of them have no scientific publications whatsoever. And that's, we use a really broad definition for that. That's our measure of being an expert, right? So that's troubling, right? Um, and then when we looked at um, how often people were appearing on Shark Week, we did have quite a few that were just one-offs, but we had quite a few people that were on more than two episodes. We had nine people that were on more than 10 episodes. Um, most of them were between 10 and 20, but one person had 43. And guess how many scientific publications and other expert type things that person has? The problem is many of these people say that they are experts and they are not. And they say things that are wrong and they say things that are not just a little bit wrong. They're, and when they're called out on it by actual experts, they just dismiss it with, oh, you're just jealous of my success. Uh, there are some of them promote illegal or dangerous behavior. I don't have any objection to going on a journey of discovery with someone who's not necessarily an expert uh, to the extent that I have a problem with that practice, it's with presenting someone as a scientific expert who does not have that training or expertise. And when someone that knows what they're talking about appears on one of these shows, scientists say their words may just be taken out of context. I know from friends who have appeared on Shark Week that sometimes they don't feel that they were represented accurately in terms of what they said or in terms of what was actually done as part of the show. I understand that there are some imperatives of storytelling and entertainment that the producers of these shows also have to consider. Um, but I would say that it seems like a pretty reasonable bar to set to ask them to clear to say, please don't lie to your experts. Please don't do things in ways that your experts will find intensely professionally embarrassing. Um, that seems like a bar that they're capable of clearing if they want to. I reached out to Discovery for a comment on the findings of the study. They said they did not want to comment on, quote, a study that has yet to pass any scientific approvals, and, quote, stick by our actual scientists and conservation efforts and partners. 
Another point on representation, much of the research presented on Shark Week is highly visual and expensive, which makes sense for television, but scientists say that leaves out a lot of fascinating research that could be covered. Of the research showcased during Shark Week, they found that telemetry and expensive cameras such as drones got the most spotlight, which leaves out early career researchers and smaller institutions that can't afford that gear. And one last point on representation on Shark Week, and this is actually some good news, their study found that 79 living species of shark have been included on their programming over the years. The top species, of course, are the Great White, followed by the Tiger and Bull Sharks. The top sharks definitely hog the spotlight, leaving out some interesting species, but it's not all bad, right? Well, let's move on to the content the researchers analyze from all these Shark Week shows. In the study, they looked through the titles of all the shows on Shark Week and found that 21.7% had negative words used, with attack, fear, deadly, bite, and monster being the most common. And Schiffman says that some of them are just silly. They're ridiculous. There's Sharkageddon, Sharkpocalypse, Sharks, Are They Hunting Us, Shark Sanity, uh, Shallow Water Invasion. It's bananas. I mean, the first Shark Week show ever was called Caged in Fear, so uh, it started off pretty intense. As for content, the researchers give some credit to Discovery. 53% of episodes center around research and natural history, which is a good thing because many species of shark are endangered. There was over 50% of the episodes had some sort of conservation messaging. But... But it was usually stuff like, well, marine ecosystems need these top predators and nothing for people to actually act on. Right. No details. No, like, here's what you can do to help. Only six episodes out of the 201 had that. The big things um, that were pretty bad were the messaging. Um, overall, um, we found that um, over 60% of the shows, I think we're actually really close to 80%, um, had negative messaging about sharks, things like sharks are stalking and killing us from the deep, calling them killers and things like that. Um, but on the other hand, over like roughly 60% had positive messaging too. So we're seeing this contradictory messaging and a lot of times it would be negative through the whole show, but with a tacked on positive on the end. And that's just when the information's accurate. Every year, Twitter is full of shark scientists just fact-checking what is being shown on Shark Week. And when the truth gets stretched beyond thin, like when Michael Phelps quote-unquote raced against a shark, or the infamous myth-making Megalodon mockumentary, it is more than just annoying, it can be dangerous, according to these researchers. I got death threats because of that show, because the show is not just saying this extinct shark is still alive, it's saying this extinct shark is still alive, and scientists and the government know that and are lying to you, don't trust them. Discovery noted in their response to my questions about the study that they released a documentary this year called Finn about shark fishing. It was directed by famous horror movie director Eli Roth, and Discovery said the movie contributed to the shutdown of a shark fishing tournament this year. A 34-year-old competition in Massachusetts did indeed not happen this year amid public pressure. And in 2015, then-Discovery Channel chief Rich Ross said that the channel would move away from fake mockumentaries like the one they aired about the Megalodon. Shark Week 2021 has come and gone, and it did not do much to change the minds of these scientists. Let's start with the jumping the shark stunt where a jackass star recreated the scene from Happy Days where the Fonz literally jumped over a shark on water skis, which led to the man falling in shark-filled water and actually getting bitten. I was very disappointed this year to hear that somebody was injured uh, 
as part of the Jackass special, a lot of people are going to watch that and take away from it that, you know, a shark will bite you if they get a chance when, in fact, they've created this extremely dangerous situation. And now it's going to be painted as though it's some act of heroism on the person's part who was bitten and it's going to be painted as though sharks are bloodthirsty and aggressive. Nobody would think that it was a good idea to do that with any terrestrial predator. And this year, Shark Academy pitted young shark enthusiasts against each other for the chance to join the crew of a shark scientist, which included physical challenges. But shark science isn't all about diving into the water and chasing down sharks. There's a lot more to it than that, even when you're out on the water. And I think that it also creates a, the, the idea of it being a competition is not helpful either uh, because it shouldn't be a competition. Science is collaborative. That's the opposite of what we want people to come into shark science thinking. Um, I mean, we go out on these big, long uh, research cruises. We're doing surveys. We're collecting data for everyone. So you're catching a shark and you're saying, okay, this person needs fin clips. That person needs blood. That person needs this. It is extremely collaborative. And if you come into it with the attitude of a competition, you're just gonna upset the whole balance. And I just think that it also makes it really exclusionary because it's saying, oh, to be a shark scientist, you need to scuba dive and you need to be able to do a backflip. And that's, there are lots of people that don't dive. I don't dive. Uh, and for my job, I like, that's not a requirement. I catch all of my fish and bring them on the boat, work them up and release them. Um, and there are lots of people that don't do physical activity with sharks. And I think that's really important to highlight that you can do other things besides this weird macho macho situation because there are people that have disabilities. There are people that have limitations of not being able to dive because they're claustrophobic or whatever. And if you show something like that, you're presenting this idea that this is the only way to be a shark scientist. The scientists are working on getting their study published in a scientific journal and actually presented it at a major shark conference in July. And we'll have more to say when the full version comes out later this year. But don't think they're all just haters trying to yuck our yum for Shark Week. They admit that there are positives around it as well. Even though I don't watch a lot of the programming, I absolutely love Shark Week for how excited people are about sharks. It's the one week a year where everyone else wants to talk about the things that I'm most excited for us to talk about. So. Um, you know, my intention is never to say that I think that it's bad. My intention is always to say, I think that it could be better. Let's make that happen. Here's how. And some of the programming is really good. Good enough that White Knack uses it in her own classroom. I really like the Alien Sharks series because they do tend to focus on these lesser featured sharks that are deep water sharks or um, less familiar to viewers. There was actually one show called American Shark that had more than 10 species on it because it was just tracking around the coast and featuring different sharks at each stop. Um, so that was, those were good bits of good news. White Knack was actually featured on Shark Week for the follow-up special to the Megalodon mockumentary called Megalodon Fact or Fiction, which basically was one big fact check on the misinformation that came out. And then they contacted me to be on a debunking show, which I found pretty funny. It's like, well, you guys caused this problem now. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, and it was actually a really great experience. I. Um, 
you know, I got the, the folks who were there were just lovely. Um, I was, they sent me the questions ahead of time so that I could plan. Um, they never took my words out of context. They used them as they were intended, which is, was one of the big fears I had just in general from, you know, honestly, just from my colleagues having bad experiences. Um, so I actually had, yeah, I had a lovely time. The, um, the show turned out great. I was really happy with the, what it did and how they portrayed everything. While she had a great experience, she knows that it's not always the case for other scientists featured on Shark Week. The ones that even get a chance, that is. But more positive news, Discovery seems to be making some noticeable changes that these scientists appreciate. There were definitely more women of color in this um, round of Shark Week than there have been. And by more, I mean, like, still not enough, but more. We're like, we're getting there. We, I give credit where credit is due. They have made a step in the right direction, and I hope they keep going. So Shark Week can be better. It's certainly still popular, but can do a better job representing the science it profits off of. Here's what these scientists suggest. One of the things we're doing with this study is trying to make some recommendations. We know what's what's good and what's bad and what's really bad about these 32 years of Shark Week. And so we also tried to think about, well, what can we do about this? Less fear-based and contradictory programming with this contradictory messaging, more fact-based and positive programming that are actually putting sharks in the light they're supposed to be in, right? But also like doing things like adding actionable conservation content. Okay, so sharks are in trouble. What do we what can we do about that? So give people suggestions so that they can do something and then folk, you know, feature more diversity of experts and actual experts as opposed to um, certain people. Stop lying. Stop giving the biggest platform in the history of ocean science to clowns and con men and frauds. Have more diverse representation of experts and it, just to be accurate, just to accurately portray the diversity of the field. There are maybe five people who, if they never appeared on a Shark Week show again, the show would, the series would automatically get 30 or 40% better. Rather than using kind of fear and, and drama and risk of physical injury as the attractant. I don't, I don't think that's the only thing people want in this world. I don't think that's the only thing people care about. Thank you so much for listening to Shark Tales, a podcast created in partnership with the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy. You can find deep dives with shark researchers on all kinds of shark topics in seasons one and two. Find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.